0: Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi barakatuh and welcome back to another episode of the Entrepreneur podcast. Today I have a very special guest. I don't always say that guys, cut me some slack, but it's because I only bring you special guests on this podcast and it is brother Arbaz Nizami who is actually the CEO and president of Sahaba Initiative as well as the founder of Muslim Visionaries, two amazing organizations that we're going to talk about today as well as a few other businesses too. So he's very much a serial entrepreneur. And I'm bringing him on today to share his story, share what inspired him to become an entrepreneur, but also share some golden nuggets about how to build a business, how to grow a business, and some things he's learned along the way. Atabasta, Amalikum. It's an honor to have you on the, the podcast, brother. Thank you for having me. And just a little note. So, we now
1: have two different rules for president and CEO. So, we actually have now uh, a chief executive
0: for Sahaba Initiative. because Amazing. We've just grown so much, we're like, we need to expand our team amazing Michelle. that's always a good thing and you know what um it's actually something i'm a fan of because you know sometimes as founders we always like like we kind of tend to think like we have to de facto be the ceo of of every single business that we start um but as you start to grow your business as you start to realize you know what if if i want to really stick to doing what i love sometimes it doesn't necessarily mean being ceo of the business maybe it's another area maybe i'm super into the marketing or super into like the design stuff or maybe i just want to kind of you know, have a, uh, a seat on the board and just kind of, you know, oversee certain things. Uh, and so it's always interesting to transition there. But I want to ask you because entrepreneurs are made, right? They're not born. So you've built these businesses up at a certain point in your life. You decided that you wanted to do something different. So can you share with me a little bit more about your story and the first business you ever built? What was that like and what inspired you to do so?
1: Yeah, I'm less so. Yeah, entrepreneurial is a very interesting thing. And, you know, for me, interestingly enough, you know, what really pushed me towards uh, becoming more entrepreneurial in spirit, uh, which I really believe it's more about the spirit because you have people that are, you know, within companies, people that are CEOs of companies they didn't start, uh, but they're still entrepreneurial. So it's really about your approach to doing things, just the ability to innovate, the ability to look at a lack of resources and say that, hey, I'm going to build resources out of it. Um, so I, I think it's something that's within your heart. And um, for me, it really began, you know, listening to Malcolm X. You know, interesting enough, if you if you listen to, you know, his history and his background and his, and his ability to articulate the importance of being self-reliant, developing things for yourself and, yeah. you know, the whole do for self mentality, uh, which is very popular. And that's really pushed me towards building from scratch because I saw a lot of you know, it began by seeing a lot of challenges for some of the Muslim community. Um, It was like, you know, you saw board issues, you had community issues um, and you had a lot of gaps and holes. And, you know, there was one approach that I saw that was very common, which was to ultimately sit there and look at everything that's going wrong and find somebody to blame, and then just go home and blame somebody for the rest of the day. And that's one approach, but I believe entrepreneurs, people that have that ability to think about problem solving They are the ones that need to step up and and solve problems and create solutions. So um, that's where it all began. I mean, listening to Bacovets' speeches, talking about building, how you can articulate yourself better, how to be more confident, how to communicate, um, and then ultimately translate that into businesses. One of the interesting things that people don't – I don't think people take into consideration is that, uh, you know, the Nation of Islam at that time, they also had multiple businesses across the U.S. And I think it's valued. You know in the millions they were and I don't quote me on this but i believe it was somewhere they were doing around 100 billion in revenue um mm. and 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 for an organization in the 60s uh to do that i think it's pretty pro- prolific um they had laundries they had bakeries they had uh different businesses that they were doing you know delivery services things like that and um th- this was supporting the social side of their efforts right they were they were support they were also they also had a message which was to change the world change yourself and create a culture of social uh, social change um, but you can't do that if you just think from a non-profit perspective in the sense that you know everyone's going to be paid a certain level you're going to generate uh revenue from uh from charitable donations no i think it's it's really looking at it from a from a broader perspective
0: and so, is that what you aim to do with your with your Sahaba Initiative nonprofit? Is that really kind of what you've set out to do? Is kind of create a self sustaining organization?
1: Yeah, I mean that was the goal. So when we when you know when we started Sahaba Initiative, we all were really seven, we were around seventeen, eighteen years old, which is over a decade ago now, right? And uh, and when we set out to build Sahaba Initiative, I had two paths. You know, I had at the same time I had a marketing agency that I was working on, and then I had a Sahaba Initiative. And the marketing agency was doing fairly well. Uh, But I realized at that point that, you know, I'm also in school. You know, what do I, what really connects to me? You know, what's really my purpose and calling? And, you know, the mistake that people make is that they'll look at those two options and say, I'm going to do what's more profitable for me. And anytime I think you do that, you lose your purpose. You're not as passionate and you end up, you know, Ultimately, looking down the road and saying, "Hey, you didn't accomplish much in 10 years. Besides, you know, you raised, uh, you made a whole bunch of money for yourself. And then what ends up happening? You start ch- chasing materialistic things. Uh, but if you really truly go after your passion, what you believe in, uh, you're going to do, you know, what speaks to your heart. So at that point, you know, I had this marketing agency and I had some initiative, and I said, "Hey, this marketing agency is making me a whole lot of money, but I'm going to put that to the side and literally." just volunteer my time to build up Sahab initiative from, mm-hmm. from, from, from the grassroots, right? And that involved generating, meeting entrepreneurs, meeting donors, meeting funders, you know, hustling to develop the programs, building teams, uh, you know, finding community connections. That, the amount of hustle that went into that really helped me in my ultimate business mindset and everything else that I've done after that because you have very little resources and you're not selling a product you're selling uh social change which is very different and then when you think about today's age it's actually more meaningful because everyone is trying to brand their products around social change so I thought it was very interesting that you know at that time you know might not not it might not have had that appeal um but through that journey you know it taught me what i needed to learn about marketing and taught me what i need to learn about uh, building a team and all the core elements of a business, and that that what, what ends up happening is people will do something like that, go down the nonprofit route, and they'll go get involved in a community, and they'll get burnt out. But the, the reason that people get burnt out is because they're not actually learning from those experiences. So anytime you volunteer for a project, you're dealing with a different difficult uncle in the community or whatever. Those are that's an opportunity to understand how to navigate toxic leadership and toxic losses and how to negotiate. So
0: those are all skills that you can obtain if you think think about it from that perspective. So you told me that you started this, you kind of dropped dropped a hint there that when you were 18, so very much it sounds like this was at an early age and probably at an age where you still hadn't graduated really from any specific university degree. So I'm curious, did you did you eventually graduate or no? I'm I'm asking because I'm a personally a college dropout. I just decided you know what I'm going to go all in on business, and I never actually ended up finishing my degree. So I'm curious what it was for you.
1: Yeah, so uh, no, I, I I didn't drop out. Um, I for me, I turned every class that I took into what I need to do in my in all the other projects. So right, I, and I did my undergrad in public relations communications. So everything I did there, I translated back into the work that I was doing. I went out to do a master's, and you know, I'm finishing a doctorate now. um and i'm I'm a big believer in education. I know a lot of entrepreneurs will will criticize the whole idea of uh, the college education. But for me, it's to keep my mind sharp and constantly refine my skills. Right now, I'm doing a doctorate because I see in the future there's going to be a challenge when it comes to marketing where it's it's oversaturated. And everyone's developing the same type of content, and you need to get deeper in research and understanding how to actually think about things differently to actually set those trends, uh, which is a big skill that's that's missing in marketing. Um, so I think more education the better. Um, you know, even if it's uh, certificates and things like that, but I also push people to just get their degrees because if you think about it, the um, you don't have to think about it. You can look at the research. The, the most entrepreneurs out there that have been successful uh, have finished college. They have gone through the whole process. They have done everything. Um, so I think there's, you know, you got to weigh it out. Uh, I think,
0: I think some people do hit a cap when we right. don't uh, educate consistently. Interesting. And for you specifically, you know, how did you balance going through uh, going through and completing your degree along with building out, what was, how about the initiative of your nonprofit right now that we're talking about? So this is a nonprofit. Can you share with our listeners, cause, uh, just to get, give them a little bit of familiarity with it, What is, what is a nonprofit dedicated to exactly?
1: The Saab Initiative, I mean, we're all about social change We're so we change, we're impacting the lives of the everyday community members. But alongside of the work that we're doing, we're providing mental health services, we're providing food, we're providing financial assistance. But we're also helping keep the family unit together, right? Mm-hmm. Because I don't think change happens a lot of times. Uh, people approach a problem from one perspective. They'll say, "Hey, we need to give people more jobs." But some of the clients that we've we've been serving, they have two to three jobs. They don't even have time to seek an education. So you know, it requires that social element to help people get to the next level. Um, and then you're also creating a community that cares about one another. Um, a lot of opportunities arise out of the nonprofit space. That's where, that's where we all connect as human beings. We go to our places of worship, we volunteer, and then we connect with one another. Um, but then I think also when you're in the nonprofit space, you need to connect people to the right people and provide them opportunities to change their life. And that's why it's so critical to have these businesses in the community, to have things that you can plug people into
0: uh, and help them get the training they need um, to, to, to succeed hmm And so, tell me this, what is it that inspired you to launch a profit at such an early age?
1: You know, interestingly enough, uh, back to the story of Malcolm X, a lot of my thoughts really came around, you know, the, the social change that uh, Malcolm X had in the world. You know, he had a business pride, he had a non-profit side. So, I already looked at that and saw it as a model. I got the extra push uh, from God, you know, from a subhanahu fund. ta'ala. of You know, one day I was literally, it was just sitting in the masjid and just, you know, reading Quran and seeing, you know, who comes to the masjid on on an afternoon. A lot of the people that come to the masjid on an afternoon uh, are people that are struggling. You know, many people that are converts that have have come out of prison. And being in the presence of those people, you know, it just became like an organic thing. People were asking for help, looking for assistance. They were looking for direction in life. And, you know, after helping a handful of people, it just became a thing that, look, we need to actually develop a system because... You know, this is a sign from God. Like we're here in the Mezjid, and this is happening on a consistent basis. The Mezjid is struggling to to not they're struggling to have a proper structure to even support themselves. So helping others was not even an option when there's so much conflict. So it was like, you know, we need to develop an institution outside of the Mezjid to support people. Um, and that that's who, that's that's where it came from. You know, uh, okay. I think a lot of things. If you
0: just look around, there's signs always around you. Got it. For someone listening to this that, that w- wants to develop a nonprofit and, and wants to kind of, you know, bring something to fruition, because I've actually spoken to, to people who, who essentially come to an entrepreneur and they're like, I don't want to specifically build a business. I want to actually build a nonprofit organization. I want to help people in need. Uh, and it's interestingly enough, we had a conversation like that this week. And so I'm curious for you, as someone who's actually went through the process, how viable is it for, for someone who hasn't really started yet a business, doesn't have any entrepreneurial experience to go through that journey? What would you say for you? Is is it a feasible matter? And also what were some of the main steps that you've taken to get there?
1: Yeah, so for me, I think there's one thing, you know, and this this might be a cliche, sometimes people don't like this term, but a nonprofit is a business in a sense, right? You do have to have business functions. You do have to have systems. You do have to think beyond your heart. And a lot of times people don't wanna do that. And that's, it leads to more problems, because when you put your emotions First, the nonprofit suffers. And I see there's a lot of you. We talked about founder syndrome, for example, right? A lot of nonprofits struggle with that. Founders come into an organization. They get attached. They don't want to let go. And you can't have one person in charge of everything. You have to start letting everything flow. You have to start building teams. You have to start building structures so everything moves beyond you. Uh, So I think when you think of a nonprofit, think of it as a business. You do have to generate a certain amount of revenue every year. And you have to think about where is that revenue going to come from uh, and where you're going to invest your money. So for me, you know, starting Sahab Initiative, uh, social media was big. You know, we just came out of my space. We started going into Facebook. Um, So, you know, sharing stories of the work that we're doing, providing opportunities for people to volunteer, looking at who has the most energy, the most, the people that have the most energy in our community are on college campuses. So luckily I was in college then. It was easy to mobilize college students. Um. So integrating all these different pieces are important. I think if you look at just from one angle, you're not going to succeed. So if you're a nonprofit founder, you need to look at the big picture and start thinking of it, you know, about where you're going to plug people in um, and then where you're going to ultimately get your money from to, to sustain the organization.
0: Right, definitely. And and those are some, it, I'll also see some important questions to ask yourself because as you mentioned, I think a lot of people think that you know, when it comes to the nonprofit sector, like, oh, you know what, we'll just rely on donations and then like, we'll figure it out as we go. But I think it very much is a business that requires a a strategic plan that requires like very much thoughtful, thoughtful thinking and a thoughtful process behind building out those systems and putting those systems in place that will allow you to function successfully. So I want to ask you this because you also have been working on uh, a beautiful project, mashallah, which I was looking into recently, Muslim Visionaries and really helping connect Muslim professionals together so they can network, they can support each other. Tell me more about that. What inspired you to create this kind of community and collective, and what is your aim with um, with this group?
1: Yeah, Muslim visionaries really, I mean, it came out of another personal struggle of mine. I think one of the interesting things that happens is when you start getting into the, into the I don't want to say the hustle culture space, but you get, you get into the hustle mindset after college, right. where you're constantly jumping from one thing to the next, you're trying to grow in your career, trying to get better at things. Um, and that can be very spiritually draining in one sense, right? And then, you know, you start thinking about, well, you know, if work is the majority of your life, you need to, you need to incorporate your spiritual purpose within your everyday life. And uh, I thought about that for myself. Like, how can I make my everyday work meaningful, right? And then I'm thinking like, okay, well, I'm not only going to work, this is a place of dawa. And, and it's not the form of down where you're calling people to your faith uh, explicitly, but it's where people see your character, they see your faith in action. And you think all throughout Muslim history, the vast majority of people that have come to Islam was through the business marketplace, through 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 a, an exchange of these uh, these goods and services. And you even think about places like the Silk Road, uh, which the Muslims eventually you know sort of built their their and their, their their empires through. Uh, I don't know if that's the best term, but they started to build their influence through uh, was, in this, it was in these marketplaces. So we're now, as Muslims in the United States and in other places, we're now governed by these corporations that we have on this corporation, corporate influences. So why don't we all pool our talents together? Why don't we all get in the same room, share ideas, have, have platforms, have conferences where we can actually start motivating ourselves to find our spiritual purpose in the workplace? And that's why, you know, I really want to connect. Muslim people within their career, we have a lot of um, entrepreneurial connections in the community. We have a lot of space and people that are entrepreneurs to connect, but we don't think about it just from the career perspective. Where we have people that are uh, just climbing the corporate ladder, you know, connecting with one another. What you know, how can we all better ourselves? How can we learn from one another? How can we train ourselves to be important uh, to to be better leaders from a from a faith based perspective? Um, And then we also think about, you know, DEI as a whole. DEI has become very big in corporate America. You know, what is the Muslim perspective on that, right? Where do Muslims fit in? You know, many people in the African-American community have put forth uh, agendas post-George Floyd about um, what Black professionalism looks like. But what does Muslim professionalism look like, right? It's from a faith-based perspective. What are we asking our corporations to do for us? So we can stay motivated to do better at the work that we're doing already every day. And I think that there's no bigger motivator for people in the workplace, for Muslims, than than spirituality. And, you know, I think that's that's a missing question uh, when we talk about the lack of motivation, especially amongst
0: millennials uh, in corporate America. What would you say to, because I speak to a lot of Muslim professionals, I've, I'll say I'm a printer. we 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 help we help uh, Muslims start businesses and kind of transition into the entrepreneurial space. And I see to lot of professionals that are burnt out and that are actually really unhappy with the corporate world right now and the way that it's going. They feel like they don't have time to do their prayers. They feel like they're just limited in terms of like what they can actually control within their lifestyle. Uh, and they honestly feel like they don't really have sometimes the same opportunities afforded to them as potentially non-Muslims for you specifically as someone who really b- helps bring these professionals together to try to thrive together, you know. What would you say, you know, to, to someone like this who's kind of going through and experiencing these challenges within the, within the workplace and they're feeling like they're kind of fed up. They're not really happy with where they are. Yeah, I mean, I think
1: there's two parts to the, to the question. The first step, yeah. you need to get your skills right, right? Mm. If, you're, if you're a Muslim professional, you need to get really good. And um, the quickest sign that somebody is a leader when you look at, you know, who's a leader in the room is, is speaking up it's It's to voice your opinions. So uh, when people hear you articulate uh, your beliefs, your viewpoints, your perspectives from a confident approach, um, you're you're gonna be seen as a leader, whether you like it or not. So you need to have those leadership skills where you command respect when you come into the room when you when you uh, can speak with confidence. Those are the things that you need to have down. Um that's very important. And many of the people that I've seen that have, you know that do complain that are burned out, they haven't solved that first problem, you know? Mm-hmm. They're, if they solve their leadership problem. And I know there's a whole lot of terrible leaders out there, and a lot of terrible leaders that are just good at talking. Well, the reality is that is, that is how people look at leadership, right? It's the way you talk. Um, but then you actually have to get into the practice, right? Which is, well, which, which is going to outlast everyone else. When you are able to build teams and connect with people on a human level and, you know, not be a toxic leader, people will find value because the vast majority of corporate America is is struggling with empathy, right? At the senior leadership level, there's a lack of empathy. There's a lack of uh, humanity. So when you start to incorporate these things, especially at a time right now where millennials care, care about these things, Gen Z cares about these things. So if you're in those spaces, this is an opportunity for you to speak up because they want you out there. Baby boomers are retiring. Many past generations are retiring. They're looking for millennial leaders, but millennials are not seeking those opportunities right now. There's a lack of, um, there's a lack of hope, and there's a lack of push to even go to, go go towards these leadership roles. Mm-hmm. I, I think stepping up is important. Looking for mentors is very important. Find people that have been in your positions that you want to aspire to be in. Um, you know, people that are ten years older than you, five years older than you. Cling on to them ask them about the struggle. And that's something that we're trying to do with Muslim Visionaries is connect these mentors so they do speak to one another and they can understand, you know, those pivotal little strategic moves that you need to make to get yeah. to the top.
0: Of course, 100%. And I think I agree with you in, in the first statement that you said, because, you know, a lot of times when you're able to yourself kind of have those skills and and and, and have that ability to step up as a leader within your workspace and be recognized for that, Um, some of those problems go away and I won't say all of them, but I would say some of them go away. Um, and and I do agree that if we had more professionals connected with other mentors, having Muslims support, other Muslims, then we would be able to solve a lot of those problems. And so what you're doing, Muslim visionaries is a very beautiful thing, mashallah. And I, and I truly admire it. One thing that I do want to ask you is how you balance it all, because a lot of people think, you know, I always have to choose, I have to choose between the studies or the business, I have to choose between the studies or... You know this other hobby or project that I want to do. So how do you balance that? You're pursuing a doctorate, mashallah, as well as running Sahaba Initiative, Muslim Visionaries, and you even have a few other businesses on the side. What's it's, your secret?
1: <laughs> it's all about it, it's all about systems, right? Mm-hmm. I think the more systems that you have in place, the better you're going to do things. I think one of the things that that happens, it's one of the reasons I took a master's in organizational change and my doctorate is that I need to get more organized, right? And you look at any people that have been successful throughout history, they've been more organized, not more in number. You know, I think a lot of times we cling on to this idea that we just need more of us. We just need more people that we just need more, you know, of everything. No, we don't need more. You need more strategy, you need more organization. Um, and you'll see that even the smallest of ideas can change the world, right? If you're organized and strategic about what you do. And we've seen this enough in the last 10 years, all these disruptive, organizations that have come into place I mean, you think about even just some of these tech companies that have started off as small apps and that have grown it's just it's organization it's being strategic so so any person that wants to do a lot they need to be very strategic with their time they need to be organized one thing that i will say that i dropped very young uh back in high school i dropped television i dropped most you know i don't watch tv you know Music a lot of those things that people like to do uh and then i do I do hustle on the weekends a lot, so it is a lifestyle choice And like people say you know you know you got you basketball, you have football, you have all these sports being an entrepreneur, being a leader, it is also a sport in that sense where you're constantly practicing you're constantly getting better, you're constantly conditioning you're also taking breaks during the summer, so you have to look at it from that perspective um which sometimes when we uh from my experience, sometimes in the Muslim community, we tend to be very giving, akhirah focused and we just say we just have to keep giving. But if you don't take care of yourself and be strategic about how you develop yourself, then you're going to actually lose yourself in the process.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree 100%. I think that was very insightful. What are what are three tips that you can give us, actionable tips for, for anyone listening to this who wants to bring more organization and who wants to bring more systems into their lives and, and really kind of bring more structure into everything that they do. Is there three tips that you can share with us today?
1: Three tips. Yeah, this, if that's hard. I think, the <laughs> first, I think the first thing that you need to do is be very thoughtful about what you want to accomplish in the day. I think mm-hmm. what adds up happening we're right now with the new year, everyone writes their goals for the day, uh, for the year, and they don't think about what's going to happen in the next month and next week. So you should be very strategic about what you're going to accomplish in the next day the next week and the next month and that it doesn't have to be so super complicated everyone wants to have an app and have all these crazy excel sheets not just have a piece of paper write down what you're going to do and then move on right so i think that's that's very important number two like i mentioned systems for everything that you're going to do look at look at ways that you can off shoot some of the things that you don't need to do yourself right if you're somebody that's gonna be the visionary or someone that's building big things, they need, you need to find people that can take on some of the extra roles. And many times we don't wanna pay for it. We say that, hey, we can do it ourselves. You know, that's that's the surest way to, to lose. What ends up happening when you build a project and you do everything yourself, you get stuck at a certain level. It's usually level one. And if you wanna scale, you need to pass, pass on what someone else can do and then you focus on the growth of the organization or a project. Um, So that's very important uh, to, to hire the right people, to find the right people around you. Um, and then number three, uh, you know, find, I don't want to say life coach, find a mentor or a coach or somebody that can hold you accountable. You need accountability partners. You need someone there that's checking in and can see from the outside outside what's going on with you because sometimes you just, you get exhausted. You're not paying attention and you get sloppy, right? Everyone needs a trainer. You know, the other day I was listening to uh to a video by a guy named I think his name's Jim Jim Stover. I don't know if you you, you might have heard of him. He he trained Kobe. Many people don't know that, you know, Kobe had trainers around him yet. People mm-hmm. around
0: him Yeah, Jim Grover. Jim Grover.
1: Jim, Jim Grover, yeah. He also trained Jordan. So you have these people that, you know, are amazing athletes, but they didn't do it on their own. They had coaches,
0: they had guides, they talked to people. You know, you can't do it on your own yeah hundred percent I completely agree. i want to ask you if there's one thing and this is a kind of a more i would say like a more uh a more high level question, but I am curious for someone like yourself who is working on multiple multiple businesses, multiple initiatives uh, Mashallah if there is one thing that you could be remembered for, right and this is something that I feel like as Muslims, you know when we start a business when we're building something, I think a lot of it comes through the intentions that we have. And I'm curious for you, if there's one thing that you could be remembered for that you are seeking to accomplish, inshallah, in this lifetime, kind of leaving that mark on this earth, for you, what would it be? What would you want to be remembered for?
1: I think for me, you know, the one thing I do want to be remembered for is pushing people to aspire higher. I think we have many people in our community that tell you you can't do it, you know, it's not enough, you know, everything just it's too difficult, you know. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to tell people that they can live their dreams, they can build a vision. Not for themselves. It's not about making money, right? It's about building opportunities for other people, for the Muslim community, for for your Afghan, right? So I think every organization, anybody that's involved in anything, you know, think beyond what you're doing right now and think about building for a long term. You know, if you're in a youth group, don't live in your youth group for the next ten years, which some people do, right? Think about where you can take it to the next level what it can visualize where it could be so when i think about what i want to be remembered for is to push people to you know aspire to greater heights uh,
0: in the community may allah grant you success in that and barakah in that, and mission brother it's a beautiful mission mashallah um brother how can people connect with you stay in touch be part of muslim visionaries support you with your nonprofit initiative and really just kind of you know stay in touch with you overall
1: yeah. So I'm super accessible. People can, I respond to messages all the time. I'm not one of those people that doesn't have time for people. So I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me, our boss, on there on, on, Instagram. I'm also there. I have a YouTube channel, but if you want to get involved with Muslim visionaries, it's just Muslimvisionaries.org. Um, sign up for our newsletter and we'll keep you posted uh, about our next coming events. We have a few interesting things that are going to happen in
0: Southern California. Inshallah. So inshallah. We'll keep you all engaged. All right, well, make sure to drop those links in the description and in the episode notes as well. Whether you're listening on Spotify Apple Podcasts, check that out. And make sure to connect with Brother Arbaz and, and follow him on Instagram, LinkedIn, and all these other platforms, inshallah. Arbaz, thank you so much for joining me today. This was a really pleasure of a conversation. I enjoyed it very much, and I appreciate your time. Appreciate it. Take care. Salam. Right.